Well, based on the uh, throat clearing and coughs that I've heard today, I, can, I feel comfortable and say, well, see, you already have. Uh, I'm not alone in this, but you, you will have to bear with me today. You might have already noticed my throat's a little sore and, and scratchy. Uh, I've been cleaning up an old house all week, and, and in doing that, have uh, made my throat good and sore and, and gotten a lot of congestion and probably got uh, whatever else is going around while I was doing that, too. But uh, so I'm I'm uh, struggling a little bit to get uh, get the words out of my mouth that which you might think well that's nothing new brother Nathan but uh, but we'll, we'll we'll bear with me as we go through this sermon today and and hopefully we'll be able to get to uh, what the Lord would have for us today we're going to be in John chapter one again this morning as we are continuing to look at uh, the beauty of the gospel and as I explained uh, last week I want to spend. Uh, four weeks focusing on the gospel, just plain and simple gospel messages that explain the beauty, the wonder, the grace of the gospel to you. And uh, there's no better passage for that, in my opinion, than John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And as I challenged you last week, I want to challenge you again. Uh, if you're here and you're already a believer, you already know the Lord, you already trust in the gospel. Uh, then this is an opportunity to be refreshed and reminded, to be encouraged, to be built up in the grace of Christ because Christians need the gospel too. We need to be reminded of what it is that Christ has done for us and the significance of the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, But also, maybe you're here today and you've never trusted in the Lord as your Savior. Maybe you've come to church your whole life and uh, you've heard the gospel repeatedly or at least you've heard that word used and you, uh, you've just never trusted in Christ, you've never made a profession of faith, you've never walked the aisle or followed Him in believer's baptism, uh, then this message is for you clearly because uh, we want you to believe and to turn to faith in Christ today. Uh, or maybe you, you've been going to church and you've been through baptism, you've come down the aisle, you've done all that, but you never have truly trusted in Christ, then again, this message is for you today too. Uh, or maybe you're here for the first time and you've never you've heard that word gospel thrown around in Christian circles and you just don't really understand what it means. Then again, this message is for you that you would turn to faith in Christ and believe in the gospel and be saved. But today we're going to look at another aspect of John chapter one as we look at the gospel of light. So let's read John chapter one verses eight to, uh, verses one through eighteen again. And then I'll pray and we'll get into the sermon. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come to you in this hour asking that you would bless these words, that they might be fruitful, that they might go from you and not return void. Lord, I pray that you would give me strength to overcome uh, the difficulties of my throat and my voice and to be able to proclaim the gospel as you have called me to. And Lord, that you would open the ears of those who are here to hear the truth of the gospel and respond to it in faith. And that you would work through your spirit to call those who have never trusted in Christ to respond in faith today and follow him in obedience to baptism and in a walk that is faithful to him. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I grew up duck hunting. And if you know anything about duck hunting in these parts, it's not the easiest thing to do because really the only thing, the only type of duck that you can hunt in this area is called wood duck. And if the name gives you any indication, they're not in easy places to find. Uh, Usually you have to go find some swamp or some creek bottom and you have to hunt them early in the morning or uh, late in the evening. And uh, they're usually in places that uh, where there are a lot of oak trees and all that because that's what they like to eat or oak acorns. Well, uh, I grew up doing that and we, my dad would take us squirrel hunting and duck hunting throughout uh, the winter. And uh, one particular evening we were down in a swamp in Garland, Alabama hunting ducks. And, and this place was just as thick as you can imagine. You know those swamps that all they are are hickory and ironwood and oak saplings and you can't see more than 10 feet in front of you in broad daylight because the woods are so thick and and everything's hard to see well on that day we had fared pretty well and we had killed a few ducks and my dad had shot one duck that landed right in the middle of a beaver pond a beaver lake that was in this swamp and so as darkness fell we were trying to figure out how to get to this duck without getting wet. So at the, the, it, it had gotten to be pretty good and dark before we figured out that we could tie uh, a string to a stick and we could throw it out there and catch the duck and pull it in. And so we were in the midst of trying to do that when coyotes started howling. So not only was it pitch black dark and we were in woods that were just as thick as you could imagine, but but coyotes were howling. And if you don't know that much about me, I'll just go ahead and admit I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I used to be ashamed of it, but I get a little skittish when it gets dark. And you add on top of that coyotes howling, and I was, I was not in my best place at the moment. And we're, we're out there throwing that stick, trying to get, get that duck, and it's dark, and the coyotes are still going. And when all of a sudden... Out of nowhere comes this terrible screech. And I can't do it right now 
uh, anybody that can do a screech owl or a, hoot owl or a screech owl, you can do it for me if you want to. But uh, some of you turkey hunters can do it. But right over our head, not 20 feet above us, in a, a, an old scraggly oak tree was a screech owl. And he just let out a wah, you know. And, and, uh, and I nearly jumped out of my skin. And I, it was a miracle that I didn't just pick up and run right there. But I turned around and flashed my flashlight right in that uh, owl's face. And it was about that moment that I decided that duck wasn't that important. So I just left my dad there to find his own, get his own duck, and I walked back to the truck and sat in the truck until my dad got back uh, to the truck with the duck. Well, if you know, uh, uh, if you have ever experienced a darkness like that, you can know that it's an unsettling thing, even without the coyotes and the screech owl and all that. It's an unsettling thing, and I don't know of many people who are totally comfortable with the dark. Now, you, you might be a lot tougher than I am, and it doesn't take much to be much tougher than I am. But I bet if, you, if I put you in the right situation and left you long enough, the darkness would get to you. When the darkness is so great that it seems to have a weight to it, you find that you crave the light like you would a cool drink of water. And what is it about light that brings comfort in the darkest of moments? Well, one thing about light is that light reveals the reality of a situation. It reveals the way things really are. And my dad used to tell me in in those situations like that, he would say, son, there ain't nothing here in the dark that isn't here in the light. What he meant by that is all those coyotes and bobcats and panthers that you're afraid of, they're there during the daylight. You're just not afraid of them because you can see, which that didn't comfort me all that much because you can't see them in the dark, Dad. Like, that's obvious. And but there's a lot of truth to that in that the light reveals the way things really are. It reveals the truth of any situation. Uh, light reveals that a spooky shadow that we might be afraid of is really just a stump. It's not a bear sitting there crouched waiting to, to eat us. But light also drives away the things of darkness. So when you turn on a light in an old house, roaches scatter. Or when you shine a light into a predator's eyes, that light Uh, deters that predator and scares it away most of the time. In a similar way, Scripture uses the contrast of light and darkness to illustrate the difference between life with God and life outside of His fellowship. At the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the world before God's creative work is described to be covered in darkness. So, like I said, that darkness that is so dark that it's like a blanket that is hovering over the face of the earth, the darkness that covers everything. And God's first act of creation was to create what? It was to create light. In the ninth plague on Egypt in Exodus chapter 10, God brings darkness over all of Egypt except for in the land of Goshen where the nation of Israel lived. There, the presence of God was felt 
and seen literally by the radiance of light. So while the rest of the nation of Egypt was brought into three days of darkness, Israel enjoyed the light of God. The scripture also gives darkness as an analogy of the sinful human heart. Over and over again, Scripture reveals that the heart of man is dark with sin or is deceived and brought into darkness by sin. So in John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So we have a sense that this is true. I mean, if you turn on the news, if you listen to the radio and you listen to what's going on in the world, you don't have to listen for long before you recognize that this world is covered in the darkness of sin. Just this past week, I heard a horrible story about or got terrible news about someone that I'm actually connected to who was in a horrible car accident. And when the paramedics got there to help with the car accident and they got to working on this woman, they realized that the reason for the car wreck is because this woman was shot in the head. And they began to, uh, as the police began to investigate, they ended up determining that it was a case of road rage, that somebody had gotten angry with this woman and the way she was driving and pulled up beside her on the interstate and shot through her window and hit her in the head. She's actually alive and recovering, but, but all that to say that you don't have to hear many reports of that to realize that people live in darkness, that we would be willing uh, to get so angry on an interstate about the way someone else is driving that we would be willing to shoot someone else because of that rage. There is a darkness over all of us. There is a darkness to this world. People do do not know which way is right and which way is wrong. There's a darkness that covers our ability to see what is morally correct, how we should live, how we should raise our children, how we should walk in this world. People can't see the truth clearly and evil lives in broad daylight. But John tells us at the beginning of his gospel of a great hope for all of humanity. He begins the gospel by telling of of, of this word that was with God and was God. And this word was active in creation. And one of the things that this word does, and we find in verse 4 and 5, that this word is the light of men. And this light has shone into the darkness, and darkness could not overcome it. You see, Jesus Christ is this word of God who came to bring light to this lost world, to this dark world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friend, you need to understand and don't miss this, that Jesus came to set you free from the darkness of this life. You may not understand what your purpose is, as we talked about last week. You may not know what the meaning of this life is, and so you wander around like a blind man or a man in a dark room 
feeling around, trying to grope for the handrails and find meaning and direction in this life. And it is only through the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can see the world the way it really is and know true purpose and meaning in this life. Or you might grope around in this world trying to find morality and trying to find a, a, a way that seems right to you to live by your own moral compass and to follow the, a way that seems right. And you, so you try to determine based on what other people approve of whether you should do one thing or do another. Or maybe you do things because you're scared of the consequences, the legal ramifications of it. But even still, you bounce back and forth like a man in the dark, bouncing back and forth between one end of the spectrum of morality and another end of the spectrum of morality. But it is only Jesus who can reveal what is true and right and good. Only He can reveal what is the right way to live so that you aren't, as Paul puts it, tossed to and fro by every whim of doctrine, every moral uh, 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 ambiguity that this world might have. But the greatest thing that Jesus has done is he in bringing light into this world is he reveals who the true children of God are. In verses 9 through 11, John tells us of a terrible, a sad development in the story of Jesus's life. He says that Jesus came into this world, but the world did not know him. By world, John is speaking of the Gentile world, those who are not Jews, basically all of the pagan nations surrounding Israel at the time. He's speaking of those people who live in the darkness of pagan religions. And I want you to just consider just how dark a pagan lifestyle was in those days. Romans uh, had a practice, much like what you've probably heard of from uh, about the Spartans, where if you were a, a wealthy aristocratic family and you uh, wanted you know, a, a viable, strong heir to, to come up and to take your inheritance and go on to carry out your family name. And so you're, you're spending your, your life, your young married life trying to have children, and you have a child with Down syndrome, or you have a child that doesn't seem to be very healthy. Uh, it was understood that in Roman society, you could just take that child outside and lay him on the steps and leave him. And someone could come along and take that child and take him into sex slavery and use that child for their own pleasures. Or they could take that child and take him into slavery in some other way and, and use them in abusive ways and that to, to do the work that they wanted to. Or if they didn't think that child was very healthy and they could just choose to leave that child on the steps and the child would die right there just outside of the home that they were supposed to have. And that was totally acceptable in a pagan society that was wealthy, that was organized, that had laws, had democracy, had all of the things that we would expect of a good civilized society, but they could take a child and lay them just outside on the steps and no one would think anything of it because it was ordinary and acceptable 
to do so. That is darkness. And so when Jesus comes, it says, John says of the world, the pagan world outside of Israel, that they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know that they were supposed to be looking for him. But sadder still, John says that Jesus came to his own people and they rejected him. So what John is speaking of here are the Jews, that Jesus was born a Jew to a family who were descendants of the great King David. And yet the religious and the political leaders of his day rejected him. They hated that he welcomed sinners. They hated that he healed the unclean. They hated that he upended their schemes for fleecing the poor and broke down their power structures. They hated that he walked up to a crippled man and said, your sins are forgiven. Rise and walk. They hated that he spoke with the authority of God himself. And they hated him to the point that they plotted to kill him. And in the greatest conspiracy ever devised, Gentiles who did not know the true light and Jews who rejected him joined forces to destroy the light of God in Jesus Christ by nailing him to a Roman cross. Then they took his ravaged body and placed it in a tomb and rolled a stone in front of it to hide the last ray of possible light that might come from this man that they despised. They placed guards in front of the tomb to ensure that the whole world would never be threatened by, never be concerned with this light again. Yet on the third day, an earthquake shook the tomb and an angel with an appearance of lightning rolled away the stone and sat on it. All those Roman guards could do is tremble because of the power revealed before them. And Jesus was alive. And in his resurrection, he brought light up from the grave. So the darkest place that you could imagine, the darkest place that is described in the Old and New Testament is the place we all are going. The place of the grave. And Jesus took his light to the very darkest place that could ever threaten us, the grave. And he brought out of that place the light of the hope of resurrection. Jesus defeated death and hell so that all who trust in him will have eternal light in him. So John says in verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the question I have for you today is this. Will you remain in darkness or will you choose the light of Jesus Christ? Nothing good, hear me on this, nothing good can come from dwelling in darkness. And the ultimate judgment for all who remain in that darkness is a life of eternal darkness in hell. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says that those who reject him will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, 
There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Won't you come to the light of Jesus Christ today? Won't you trust in Him and receive the the light of the gospel so that you no longer wander around aimlessly in this world? So that you have the word of God to lighten your path so that you know the way to walk. And so that you live for all of eternity in a place of never-ending day, as the book of Revelation describes the new heavens and the new earth. A place where there is no darkness because Jesus is the light. There is no darkness to bring um, shame on you because you cannot understand what is right and what is wrong. There is no darkness to give you a sense of dread and foreboding because you know that you stand under the judgment of God. There is no darkness because you are now in the fellowship of the God who made light in this world and who gave you the light of his son, Jesus Christ. So won't you turn to faith in him today and follow him in obedience as uh, we close in prayer and then we're going to spend a time of invitation where you can come and make your profession of faith known as we sing this closing hymn. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you.